The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Arigato. The Your Own Pay Podcast Network. Inspiring, motivating, and educating entrepreneurs around the world. It's Demasi and Michael, just talking tech. So you were about to ask me, I think, about a very weird issue, and I should probably open up the Google Doc while I'm talking. Uh, I'm thinking, at least, you were going to ask me about this issue with Reaper on the Mac and how you open it up, and all of a sudden, the Osara stuff doesn't seem like it works. No, that is not what I was going to ask you. It's slightly even worse. So I went and I downloaded Reaper to this MacBook that we have, right? Because I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just throw Reaper on there, put Asara on there, install SWS, and we'll be good to go, right? Well, I installed Reaper version 6.3, whatever, 64-bit, because I was always taught to go with 64-bit when I can. And I, it, it, I copied the application over to the applications folder. I pasted it, and then I went and I opened it, and I got the error that said Mac OS cannot, what does it say? Hold on cannot verify that this application is virus free or something uh yeah i have not seen that uh so there is a issue opened on the osara github repo uh, about the issue people are having in catalina with getting Osara installed. Now, I don't remember going through any of the things that people are talking about that they're doing. Like, I do know that, like, you get a little error daily if you try to install. So, the way that I go about installing Osara uh, on the Mac, which it looks like I need to do again, is uh, I open up the DMG. I do the simulated right click on the install Osara script file. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I hit open and then you get the little pop-up that says, Hey, Mac OS can't verify blah, 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 but there's the open button. So I hit open and it pops open terminal runs the commands it needs to run and then it stops. Now I don't remember what happened the last time that I installed this, but I do remember a part of the process. I don't remember it happened immediately after it ran, but I do know that I had to go, to uh system preferences security uh and then unlock it and then there's a button right there that says osara something something is trying to run blah 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 do you want to allow this app to run and i hit you know the allow button and then it goes then i'm done you told me about this and i think it was mojave before i had updated to mojave and i was trying to figure out why something wasn't working after i updated and you were like hey you got to go to system preferences because there's a thing that's going to pop up at any rate, apparently other people are having extreme issues installing Osara to the point that one guy has come up with like some terminal command that'll override the uh, protections Mac OS puts in place just for Osara to run to install script, like a lot of weird stuff. Uh, which I don't remember having to go through any of that. Like maybe something is different at this point, but I think I installed Osara. Uh, or updated version of Osara probably like a month ago. Yeah, it's been within the last month that you've reinstalled Osara. I didn't have any of these issues. Uh, you know, I had the basic, to me, it was the basic 
macOS Catalina weirdness that happens with certain apps and and scripts and things that you're trying to install so my end today is being recorded using voice memos oh man that is going to be horrible well at least you'll get an m4a file which is supposed to be lossless yeah lossless yep yep it is supposed to be so we'll see and then when i open voice memos today this totally is not on the google doc but i found like voice memos from 2017 and 2018 back when i was on the iphone so i got distracted before our show by going through and listening to some of those i'm like oh oh i need to pull some of these out of here which i think are just stored in icloud and save them because there's some nicholas stuff and i'm trying to get a little bit of audio from every year nicholas has been alive i've got one two three four five and then ten uh, so I'm missing six through nine. And then this audio that I just found would have been some audio from his eight age. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting there. I've got some YouTube content, uh, with Nicholas on it from those missing years that I just haven't pulled down and extracted audio from, but I've got a Google drive and a Dropbox folder with Nicholas audio in it to keep track. And man, when you play Benjamin from two years ago for Benjamin, he sounds like a little boy because he was. He's still a young man, but the voice difference is hugely different, and he doesn't recognize who it is. Kind of hmm. funny. <laughs> so, yourownpay.com slash DM54. Sorry, voiceover was ducking you. Ah, yeah, the whole voiceover <laughs> ducking thing. Yeah, man, I have to. Sometimes it is handy, but it's only really right? handy when you have something playing in the background that you're moderately interested in, but not totally. Yeah, yeah, and and it definitely is not handy on a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, it used to because kill. it doesn't just lightly duck. The no, person. it it, it, it ducks on you. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You're supplying like you know 12 dB of compression to it or something like. Yeah, know. don't I sound like I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is applying some serious compression, though. It, it really stomps all over you. Uh, major side chain, though. Major side chain. Right, uh, right. I brought my volume down to 40%, though, so I have voiceover way below you, about where voiceover pushes you down to when I have audio ducking enabled. Yeah, I have started. So what I have started to do, because I would oftentimes turn it off when I needed it off, but it's a frustration to turn it off because people are talking and you're trying to <laughs> hear to get it turned off so it'll stop ducking uh and then on the random occasion i need to turn it back on because i need voiceover to be louder than what's in the background like that so i just stop i just leave it off and i just use the on the fly controls to adjust voiceovers volume depending on whether or not i need it louder or softer right and for those listening who are mac users who have no idea what i'm talking about if you hold down your voiceover key or keys plus command plus shift and use your left and right <laughs> arrows. That is a lot of keys. This is a, a double hand. You need both hands yeah, to you're make this need both hands. happen. So for me, it's control, <laughs> option, command, command shift. shift. And yep. then left and right arrow will take you through some on-the-fly settings you can change. And once one is spoken, up and down arrows will make the necessary adjustments. Yeah. As I was doing it, I tried control, option, command, left and right, and that, that switches things, but the wrong things. What does that That mean? is cool, though. 
it switches between oh yeah that switches between so your, your rotor actions yeah your quick yeah. your quick rotary so whatever that is set to if you hit vou in a web page that is what will pop up one thing we have in our dock is credit building services and apps uh, and i want to chat about this with the preface being neither one of us are financial advisors do your own due digital due digital that due diligence yeah do your own research read the docs read the read the terms of service read all that stuff uh be careful consult your consultant your accountant if you have one uh all of those things we are just going to talk about some things that we have used or come across uh that help build your credit if your credit is in bad shape or if you just have no credit as some people just don't have any credit whatsoever because they've never used it or you know you made mistakes as a youngster because you didn't care about the credit because it didn't seem like you it mattered and then you got older and you want to do things and everybody's like oh so what's your credit rating you're like i have no idea and then they go and pull it and they're like oh and you get that sound and you're like ah, well i guess i should leave now and they're like oh yeah we're gonna have the guards escort you to the door and not only that but a a decent credit score is as you and i both know blind individuals have the the one strike against them of being blind and and i don't say that in a absolutely negative but it is when you're trying to get a job Mm -hmm. and then if you have bad credit and someone pulls your credit or you're trying to get a house and and get bad credit like it just doesn't it doesn't work in your benefit unless you've got decent credit so and there are certain jobs where if your credit rating is too low you're you're not going to get that job uh usually that's something in the financial field so working at a bank or Mm -hmm. Uh, other places, oftentimes they will pull your credit report. If your credit report is too low or if your debt uh, is, you know, too significant, they're not going to hire you. Uh, reason being, they look at you as a high risk for potential fraud uh, simply because you're apparently broke and you don't know how to manage your money. So some guy comes along and says, hey, I'll give you $5,000 if you do blah, blah, blah over there for me. Uh, you may be more susceptible to do it, or at least that's their, that's your theory. Yeah. That's yeah. your theory. Uh, I should say that. Cause I don't necessarily believe that. I feel like, man, look, you can have a million dollars and if you can get $10,000 tax free, you're probably going to take it. So an app that everyone has heard of, and I, I don't know if you're using it, Demasi, but I am regularly on my Android phone is credit karma. Credit uh, karma. gives you, yeah, gives you a good representation of where your credit is. Uh, gives you a couple things to look at that you can focus on to try to improve your credit. And it gives you not the exact score, but a general score somewhere within 20 to 40 points to what your actual score is when some lenders look at your credit scores. The thing you'll learn when you start going down the rabbit hole of credit scores and credit reports is there are several different uh, formulas to calculate what your credit score is. Mm. And Credit Karma uses the Vantage 3, I think, scale. And so uh, a lot of people use it. And it monitors TransUnion. And what's the other one? Do you know? Uh, Equifax. Yeah, because Experian has their own thing. So that's my first app uh, that I want to recommend to people if you're interested in just just getting a good overview of where you are with those two credit bureaus is take a look at Credit Karma. Yeah, Credit Karma is cool. One of the things that uh, Credit Karma is good at is looking at 
things that are actually on your credit report for either Equifax or TransUnion. So uh, I think I stumbled across in the early days of me using Credit Karma. I think I stumbled across a thing that wasn't supposed to be on my report uh, and I was able to get that removed. Uh, so it's good at showing you those things. It shows you any it shows you any active credit accounts, any delinquent accounts. Uh, oftentimes those delinquent accounts are the things that really pull your score down. Uh, but it also makes pretty good recommendations, I think, kind of in line with the general uh, financial industry of, you know, which accounts to focus on. So if you have a recent payment that has went into delinquency or collections, uh, they will recommend that you focus more on paying that off than your four year old, five year old, you know, uh, AT&T bill that you didn't pay. Uh, because that that newer thing is going to have more of an impact on you. So pretty good information. I have read and spoken to different people that work in the financial industry uh, that do like credit karma. So it does come with a high recommendation from people who actually work in the banking industry or work in the loan businesses and things like that. So it's a pretty good app, uh, fairly accessible on iOS and Android. I haven't used it as much on Android, but I have used it on Android. Uh, and yeah, I do continue to use it. As Mike said, beware that your credit score shown to you in credit karma may not be 100% accurate but you know i used to think like oh credit karma is just trying to make you feel good so they pull the best score they can possibly get what i actually think is happening because i've actually had my credit score come back and be higher than what it was showing in credit karma uh, i think it really depends on when that report is generated so whether or not maybe credit karma updates every monday uh, but you apply for something on a thursday and maybe your credit score has improved because somebody reported, hey, this person paid their thing on time or whatever. Like, you know, things come in. So uh, it is possible for your score to be higher. I used to always think your score was going to be lower than what credit karma show. But I've actually had the experience of going somewhere and they're like, oh, your credit score is this number. I'm like, whoa, that's like 40 points higher than what credit karma told me last time I looked. Like, all right. They're like, we will give you this loan. I'm like, actually, I really don't want it. That's okay. I don't like your return rates. I don't like your payment rates. I don't like your percentage want to take out of this as a matter of fact i think i'll keep moving uh but yeah good app for staying on top of it for those two bureaus specifically transunion and uh equifax before we move into the next app which i suspect demasi has one i'll just throw this little caveat out there that i think is important and then he can pick it up uh credit karma is now owned by intuit and the way credit karma makes their money is typically through a form of affiliate marketing if you apply for a credit card and you get that credit card then credit karma is going to make some money off of that transaction in that relationship so that's yeah. how they make their money. And we will drop a link in the show notes as well to uh, Credit Karma's kind of explanation of, of how all that works, because they seem to at least take the ethical route. Uh, I don't have any proof that they don't, uh, but they tend to say, like, you know, we recommend things that are that are, you know, affiliate or referral links, but we don't recommend them. You know, basically what we say, we're not going to throw an affiliate link out there just because it could make us some money. We're going to throw it out there because we think you would get some use out of it. And it just happens to be an affiliate link. Uh, I did not know they had been acquired by Intuit. I knew it was someone and I Googled it real fast so I could 
sound like I knew what I was talking about. And yeah, I wasn't doing the bottom up. I just want to touch on one thing you said about Intuit. So if you do have a problem with Intuit, period, cool. You know, don't don't use credit karma. But uh, don't not use credit karma because you think, oh, I'm going to give Intuit my information. Trust me, your information is already the hell out there. Yeah, it's already out there for the buying. Just trust me, like there's nothing they don't know. Uh, So the next app I want to talk about or service, actually, because this service covers several different things is Experian. Uh, They are first and foremost, the third of the major credit reporting bureaus in the United States. Uh, I don't know what their their global international reach is necessarily, Uh, but for U.S. based uh, citizens. Uh, Experian is the third of the of the three major credit reporting bureaus. Uh, I will tell you from my experience, at least they are the most difficult to pull your score up once it goes down. Uh, and oftentimes it's because the things that you get access to, a lot of people seem to report to TransUnion or and or Equifax, not a ton of people seem to do their reporting to Experian. Uh, or maybe it's just the things that I was picking up. Uh, but one service that Experian offers is they do offer uh, Experian Boost, which is a service that Mike told me about. Uh, and as as happens, Mike told me about this about six months ago. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, Mike. Uh, and then Mike mentioned it to me again in like June, end of June, early July. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go take a look at it because I had actually gotten a little bit more serious about pulling my score up and moving things around or trying to get up to a, a grade A rating or whatever they call it, you know, the highest you can get. Uh, so Mike explained Experian Boost to me again, and I will explain it to you based off what Mike has told me. Uh, in my experience with it, which is basically you sign up for Experian Boost. It does not cost you anything. You do have to connect your um, payment accounts. Uh, what Experian Boost does is give you points on your experience score for payments made to your regular bills. Uh, and from what I see is typically utilities, uh, cell phone and, and house phone bills, cable, Internet, uh, things like that. But they give you points there. They're adding points to your score for you making those payments consistently. They seem to only affect Experian, which makes sense because that's who owns it and that's whose whose product it is. But it's it's made a substantial difference in Mallory's credit where we connected it to and it's brought it up a little bit. And I think you've had some positive experiences with it uh, mm-hmm. in general. I, I recommend it to people even if you have a decent score, because pushing it up a couple of extra points could lower that interest rate that you're paying for a loan, for a home, for a car, etc. So keep that in the back of your mind. It is something for me, the experience on Windows was fully accessible. Uh, I did not do it from mobile. I'm not sure what the experience was like on the Mac. So I don't think I've been to the site on the Mac. I set it up from my phone uh, on iOS and it was it was pretty like I didn't have any problems getting anything done. Everything was nicely labeled and there were headings and things where they should have been. Uh, and yeah, that's another point. Uh, I'm glad you, you mentioned the fact that like just even if you have a decent score, like if your score is not maxed out at where it could be like any any of the tips or, or services that we shared that sound like they could be of help to you. Like Mike said, pulling your score up 
even if it's in the good or great range, uh, pulling it up some points could, you know, allow you to lower your payments on something that you are paying for or, you know, get you a better rate when you do go to take out a loan to buy a car, house, boat, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, so even, you know, having a Mac pro. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, look, don't do that with wheels. Don't do that. Really don't do that. Uh, yeah, if you think you need a Mac Pro in order for your business business to succeed and you need to take out a loan in order to get it, you may want to either, one, rethink the whole computer buying thing, or two, rethink the business you're in. Uh, because most of the people that I know or know of that are buying Mac Pros, uh, outside of the truly nuts, uh, that are buying Mac Pros, like, you know, look, they're going to make that money back in probably a month maybe two at the most. Uh, so yeah, if you need to take out a loan just to get it because you feel like it's going to enhance your business, uh, probably rethink that. Okay. Uh, and remember what the model that me and Mike live by, like, look, you can't wait until things are perfect in order to start producing content or creating a thing or doing a job. Right. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't be recording right now because Mike has a horrible microphone. It's terrible. Sounds like he's calling on calling in on the phone. So matter of fact, we should have tried that. You could have called into the Google meet on the phone. I think I mentioned that I was going to try that yesterday. I I haven't tried that myself yet. Actually, I do know that I have those phone numbers available though, that people can call into the meet. Uh, But yeah, as we were saying, uh, you know, even pulling your score up, even if your score is say a seven fifty, like pulling it up to an eight, you know, can help you be able to renegotiate your interest rate with your mortgage lender or something of that nature. So, uh, yeah, don't think of it just as a or anything that we're discussing just as a way to, uh, you know, pull up a poor credit score like if you're not sitting at the 850 or whatever the highest is for the particular agency uh you could always do better i am trying to think of any other apps that i'm using for credit and i can't think of any other ones do you have anything else you want to add to this topic yeah man service you told me about oh oh i forgot about that one yeah self We'll put Demosley's referral link in the show notes. So if you decide to get self, he will get paid $10. So we'll be transparent with that. Uh, so Demos, Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. say possibly because I used my link with somebody and I know they made their first payment. I ain't seen my $10 yet. Um, yeah, I got to look into that too because I got to see if we got 10 Oh, yeah, because you should have got 10 bucks off me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But full yeah. So what is self, Demosley? Self is... So there, there, this thing exists, right? I've heard of this before, but basically what self does is they set things up paperwork wise to loan you an, an amount of money, uh, $500 or a thousand dollars, I think are the two options that they give you. And what they're doing, they're not actually giving you the money. So, Hey, calm down. Nope. Nope. Listen, wait till I'm done. Uh, because you're not getting any money. Uh, for two years, for two years, you're not getting any money. But what they do is basically they're setting up a savings account where you agree to pay in a certain amount each month. Uh, and over, you know, depending on the amount that you choose to pay in, that you say you're going to pay in every month, that goes into a savings account that they hold on to hold on for you until you reach the amount that you chose. So if you chose, you know, 500 bucks, they're going to say your minimum payment might be like 25 bucks a month or something. Uh, you're going to pay that for two years. 
Uh, once the two years is up, they give you your $500 back. Uh, but the way that they show the way that this is actually helping your credit scores that each month you make a payment, they're, they're reporting to the, all three credit bureaus as if you're making a payment against a loan uh, that you have taken out. Now, here's how they make their money. First of all, they scrape the interest off the top of your savings account. So you're not getting that. Uh, that's how they basically make their money from what I can see is they, they, they're going to take the interest that would accrue on that savings account, which I'm happy to let them. I would be happy to let them have if I'm trying to pull my credit score up. And this shows me actively paying on a loan that is being recorded, reported to all three bureaus, not just the you know two or the one, all three of them. Uh, the other thing is, like I said, I've heard of services like this before. There's a bank that I used to be a member of uh, before they got merged into Citibank. They got bought out by Citibank, I think it was, uh, that offered a similar thing. And I just wasn't you know, interested in it at that time. But I did sign up for this because I'm like, hey, that, that will be in two years because I will forget about it, most likely. Uh, that would be $500. That would just all of a sudden be like, hey, we got 500 bucks. What do you want us to do with it? It's like, uh, <laughs> Gonna buy some wheels for my Mac Pro. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, uh, I do want to be fully transparent. Self makes I, I it's eighty five or ninety five dollars off that five hundred dollars that you are paying on, uh, because you are paying them a, a minimal. I mean, not minimal, but a small amount of interest for the ability to use their their services and bring up your credit score now my sister is a genius and uh, was the one who introduced me to this program and she has a self-account set up to expire in november and her boyfriend has a self-account set up to expire the opposite November. So every other year starting this year, they're going to have an extra $500 the month before Christmas. Uh, so that's that's the way she had structured it. And what she was thinking is, hey, this is a good way to improve my credit and to build up my Christmas savings fund. The one thing I have told people over and over again about a savings account. Now, I do believe it is possible for you to gain access to your money before you're done paying for it. That, of course, is going to look as if you defaulted on the loan. So I'd advise not doing this unless you're certain you're going to be able to make it. Uh, but the thing that I tell people when it comes to attempting to save money, uh, especially if you're on a tighter budget, is if the the more difficult it is to access that money that is going into savings, the more likely that you will leave it there. Uh, so I have advised people in the past, like if you really want to start saving money, go open up a save, find a bank or a credit union that will let you open up a savings account that has no monthly fees as long as you continue to deposit money there and set that up there. So when you log into your banking app to check your checking account balance, you don't see, oh, I have, you know, $1,300 in my savings. I could actually go ahead and buy this iPad right now. Uh, I'll put it back. Or I could just, or I could take this $150 and do this thing right now. I'll put it back because you're not going to put it back. Let's be honest. Be honest with yourself. Know yourself. I mean, if you are, you got a lot more self control than I do. Yeah. I'm being honest. True. I won't put it back. I won't put it back. <laughs> it's be real. It's like I'm not putting If I dip into it, like I'm not going to put it back because apparently I wouldn't have needed to dip into it if things are good enough for me to be able to put it back. <laughs> 
so be aware of who you are in your financial situation. So that's one way to help. And I think self is a good way to go. And the reason I chose to set up an account with them was because one, uh, that'll be some money I'll put away. And then once that $500 comes back to me, what I'm actually planning to do with it uh, is invest it into like a high yield uh, CD or something like that. And hopefully interest rates are better in two years than what they are right now. Yeah, man. Uh, but also over the intervening two years, like I'm also helping to build up my credit score in a very small way. Uh, so that is nice. That's all I got on the credit side of things, the credit building apps and services. Um, Demasi, robot vacuums. I don't really have any experience with any of these things. Uh, I heard a podcast last night about one, and it has me both intrigued, but also not really curious. So I'll link to the podcast. It was the Blind Access Journal, Daryl and Allison, who recorded it. And it has me intrigued because, yeah, that that they bought a Roomba, iRobot, something five i forget the exact model but it was the the model five and it sounds super powerful sounds like a great great thing um i'm glad to know that they explained how it's designed because apparently it's like a short little puck thing that goes around the house and i'll be honest up until yesterday i envisioned a robot vacuum as like a, a upright vacuum cleaner that just like thundered around your house. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, in that aspect, I'm intrigued. I don't know how much they are, uh, but I, I've, got, I've, I've got a 12 and 14-year-old boys. I mean, I give them two bucks and they <laughs> sweep the house for me. Yeah, I had a friend of mine. So, uh, since you listened to that podcast, one question I had uh, was, what what were their thoughts on the accessibility of the uh, Roomba app and setting it up and all that? Because this is a Roomba, right? Yeah, it's okay. a Roomba. So they first bought an offhand brand. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reason they returned it is because there was literally no support. You could email someone, but you want to get a reply, and there was no. And they were under the impression it would connect to the A lady, but it did not. Now, the Roomba app uh, sounded very accessible. Daryl does go through it and explores it and shows people what it's like to actually use it. And then uh, the iRobot Roomba, the Roomba iRobot that they have also connects to the A-Lady. So they can say, Echo, uh, start Roomba. Or Echo, tell Roomba to go home or go to its base or whatever the terminology is. And that whole process worked just fine. I still think it would be faster for me to just say, Andrew, sweep the floor. Hmm. Much less hassle. Like, I, I, I was, I'm, like you, I think I'm more interested in just the technology and, and what new technology gets brought into that space. Um, yeah, I had a friend of mine who bought a off brand uh, or a non-known brand to me, I will say, uh, robot vacuum. And he had all kinds of pain with the application because it wasn't fully accessible. So trying to get it set up was difficult. Uh, it was cheaper than a Roomba, though, uh, which is the reason that he bought it. Uh, not much cheaper than a Roomba, though. I, I kind of feel like for the amount of money he paid, he may as well throw an extra $150, $200 in and just went ahead and bought a Roomba. Uh, 
but yeah, the Roomba app does sound very accessible. Sounds like you can do most, if not everything from it. Uh, I don't believe the unit they got is one where you can map out specific rooms. That's you cool. can just tell it to vacuum. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's a little creepy for me. Apparently, Roomba was mapping people's houses. <laughs> I wonder if they stopped doing that. So iRobot, I think, is the company that makes them. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they had the Roomba was mapping out people's houses, and then they were capturing that data. But they didn't disclose it. Like, I, I don't necessarily think the problem is that they, they were capturing the data about, you know, people's mapped homes, but they didn't disclose that they were going to do such a thing. You're thinking in your mind, oh, this is my Roomba in my house. It has learned my house. It is storing that information on itself so that it can go around my house. Not that iRobot is going to vacuum up my data about the layout of my house, like without telling me about it. Although, in the business that they're in, maybe you should have just assumed that they're going to back them up all your data. Yeah, see, I wouldn't have turned that shit on in the first place. <laughs> so, yeah, because I would have had that assumption, right? Like, that would have been my assumption. What, what 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 really kind of annoyed me about it, though, is one, yeah, they didn't disclose it, and they should have. Because uh, I feel like any time, and the other thing that annoys me about it is the same thing that annoys me about a lot of companies where, one, their devices or their product or whatever it is is like, crazy expensive right it's not cheap it ain't like going to the you know walmart or the costco or something and buying a vacuum for about a 100 bucks that is great that you just got to push it no you're buying something that costs like seven eight hundred dollars uh you're hooking it up to your house putting it on wi-fi all of these things and then in order to improve their product instead of it being an opt-in situation where hey would you like to you know contribute your usage and experience back to iRobot so that we can improve our future products uh no it's just we're just gonna suck up your shit to make our stuff better but you're not getting any benefit out of it you just gave us eight hundred dollars and we're gonna suck crap off you so we can get better like that to me is the slimy part of the whole situation and it's just like what the internet providers have been doing which is you know, you pay us for service. We don't give you any discounts on this internet service. In fact, we charge you way more money than we should have to for this internet service, considering the crappy state of our internet infrastructure. Uh, but not only are we going to overcharge you for the crappy internet that you get, the unreliable internet that you have, we're also going to use your browsing habits and sell data about you out the back door on your browsing habits and where you go to advertisers so we can make even more money. And maybe, depending on the company that you get your internet service from, perhaps you can actually go opt out of this thing. Some places did not let you opt out. I do believe the FCC passed a rule that says they have to give you a way to opt out or something like that now. But then again, maybe But not. that doesn't mean they have to make it easy to find. Exactly. <laughs> now, my problem with that, again, is not the fact that you're choosing to do this thing. My problem is I'm giving you like 150 bucks a month for internet service and you're selling data out the back door on me. My internet service ain't great enough for that. Like I'm not getting any discount. I feel like if I'm going to, if you're going to use me, the customer as a way to market or to improve your products, then number one, it should be an opt in, not an opt out process. Number yep. two, me, the customer should get some benefit from that. Maybe I get a discount. Here's a good, like, look, people been jumping all over Amazon for a lot of things that they've done wrong and rightly so. But here's the thing that Amazon did right several years ago. And I think they still continue to do this to this day. The Kindle, you could buy the Kindle with offers and it was like 40 50 bucks cheaper 
then the Kindle mm-hmm. without offers. The Kindle yeah. with offers just would put up banners like, hey, maybe you should try Amazon Prime. Hey, do you know about Kindle Unlimited? Hey, <laughs> you should really go sign up for Audible. Like, I don't really know how they work because when I did buy a Kindle, I bought it without offers because it's like I don't yeah. want any advertising. But they, at least they gave me the option, right, to get a version that would allow them to advertise to me, it was cheaper, right? It was not as if I went and spent 200 bucks on a Kindle and they're shoving ads in my face. You made the decision to get the more expensive one. So, so you I didn't have get to the see ads. ads. Right. Exactly. You know, if you get the cheaper model, then they're going to show you. And from what I heard, like at the time, I don't know what the state of this is now because people aren't talking about it anymore, but it, it wasn't egregious like the ads that they did show you. Like it wasn't like, oh, you're in the middle of reading this book and it just takes over your entire screen. Like I never heard about any bad experiences. It's just, hey, they're going to tell you about things that maybe you want to sign up for, like Kindle Unlimited or Audible or Amazon Prime if you're not a Prime customer. Uh, but you know, I get that shit when I log into Amazon. I am a Prime customer. I log into Amazon. It's like, Maybe you should try Kindle Unlimited. I'm like, um, no, I don't want to. I don't want to give you more money every month. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. I'm trying to figure out how to give you less of my money right now, uh, which is another topic to get into. Uh, subscriptions over the past year 18 months maybe even time is so warped right now i'm it sorry is. we don't usually acknowledge the pandemic too much but like time is so warped man like i really don't get august it. is almost over yeah i know uh it, it doesn't I've been at my new I, job for a month i still think i'm in july sometimes <laughs> 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 it's like what the hell is going on but about 18 months ago i would say we started seeing a major push into uh from a lot of a lot of apps mostly mobile apps uh doing subscriptions both on android and on ios um and you know we're used to subscriptions basically i tell people your light bill is a subscription uh because it is because if you don't pay it then you don't get light uh that's kind of how that works uh it's a recurring monthly metered fee the only difference is it's not a flat fee in most cases it's, it's a metered thing but it's still a subscription. All of these things are subscriptions. Uh, and we have, you know, your, your, what, what has it really become to be thought of as like a typical, typical subscription product, you know, uh, software as a service on the web, right? People are used to this and comfortable with this idea of paying Dropbox every month for storage or paying, you know, Office 365 every month so they have access to Office and all of those things. Uh, this push for a lot of companies kind of started for like your Microsofts and your Adobe's really started a few years ago when Adobe decided to switch their creative cloud over to a subscription model and people were angry uh, and some of them continue to be angry uh, to this day. Uh, but the push into mobile personally, I didn't really care about the whole situation because I don't use Adobe products. So whatever. Uh, the Office 365 thing I actually thought was a pretty good deal. And I still think it is a pretty good deal considering that Microsoft doesn't seem to be lagging on their support uh, and continuing to improve and update their products. Uh, and they're, they're actually doing quite a bit to where a lot of times you see new features on iOS or on Android before you see them on uh, Windows platforms. I will say though that for ninety nine dollars a year, five terabytes of storage, if in my opinion, is well worth it. Yeah, Office three sixty five. Um, is it home that you get that with, or is it a yeah? So that that is a really good deal. Uh, and honestly, you know, seventy bucks a year for an individual 
who just needs it for themselves is a pretty good deal considering office by itself no cloud storage included no online access no no mobile guaranteed access to mobile apps none of that stuff or poor experiences in the mobile apps you know office by itself a box copy or cd copy or download you know was 300 and some bucks uh so you know yeah you're, you're basically into a subscription but the thing that started when it started to kind of annoy me a little bit with subscriptions is when the mobile apps started going to subscriptions and it's like all of a sudden um I don't remember the timeline of this exactly. Uh, Apple announced that developers would be able to do in-app, like everybody could do in-app subscriptions. They had in-app subscriptions before, but they were restricted to certain categories of applications. They were opening this up to everyone to allow developers a more opportune way of generating income or some shit like that, they said. Like they invented subscriptions. They ain't invented no fucking subscriptions. It's like, oh, look what we have done for you. You can now get subscriptions and find different avenues to your revenue. Now, all of you app developers would not have anything if it wasn't for us. Right. Google announced this same thing. And I want to say just because Google I.O. tends to be before WWDC, that maybe Google announced it first and then Apple announced it at WWDC. It doesn't matter who did it first. They did it very close to each other where they both opened up the applications that were allowed to apply to use subscription billing uh, inside of their apps as in-app purchases. It used to be restricted to, you know, like media apps, uh, things of that nature. So everybody, all of a sudden, seemed like everybody had a subscription for something. And some apps, it made sense. I could instantly see the value. Some apps, it was like, mm, I don't see what I'm getting for this. Like, I'm just supporting you, basically. Uh, and really what kind of drove me and what made me want to talk about this, too, is the fact that I have been evaluating my subscriptions over the past couple of months and like really determining because uh, things are starting to come up for those annual renewals. For one thing, uh, really determining like what apps do I need to pay for? What services do I need to pay for? Because I use them on a regular basis. I truly get value out of them versus, oh, that's nice to have, but you know, I would rather take that money and stick it in a savings account somewhere or something instead of give it to this guy. Uh, so that's what I want to talk to you about. Like, you know, for you, what subscriptions are, well, you don't have to tell everybody what you're paying for, but you know, what, <laughs> You know, what subscriptions have you, you know, if you've thought about it at all, have you deemed to be like they're essential? Like, I have to pay for these. You know, I, I can't really see myself like things really have to get difficult. And it's a decision between paying this subscription uh, or, you know, eating. Then I'm going to eat, obviously. Uh, you know, what what have you deemed essential? And then I would like to go through and talk about some of what we have started to cut out or are seriously considering cutting out. Uh, before the next renewal date? A couple of them, and I'm going to go through a few apps that I'm using and then a couple of services. Uh, happy wife equals happy life, and you'll understand that saying here in a minute. But one of the apps that I'm using that, that I'm renewing at the end of this month, and we talked about it, I think you're renewing it next month, is Todoist. Uh, Todoist, for me, is essential uh, I have lost my streak. The longest time that I have was 84 days. 
Uh, right now I'm at seven days because I've, I've missed a couple of days, especially with not working in a physical location. But that's one of the reasons why I need to do it is I'm not working in a physical location. So, for example, when we need to get cat food or dog food, I can jump in there and see what's coming up. Uh, I have a trial of Sirius XM that I threw into Todoist in July because it was four months free or three months free. And in October, I have to go into Todoist and decide, do I want this or not? And I don't have to think about it, even though I've thought about it twice over the last two days. If if I get distracted with, you know, life or something, and I don't think about it, as long as I'm checking Todoist every morning, then I don't, like, it's not something that really has to be on my mind. So the $36 a year that Todoist is, in my opinion, is is well worth it. Now, I could pay for it monthly, but I'm I'm not going to because, again, it comes down to less that I have to worry about. Uh, one password would be the other subscription that mm. I am just paying for, and I will continue paying for it. Uh, even though if I don't pay for it, I can still get access to my content. But the convenience that it gives me is well worth the, what is that, 36 bucks a year. So right now, we're at $72 a year of services that I really need to use. Um, and and if, I, if worse comes to worse and I can't afford them, then yeah, I'm going to cancel them out. But the other ones that I think I would cancel prior to those ones are entertainment. And I mentioned happy, happy Wife equals Happy Life. We're paying for Disney Plus because that's something Mallory wants. It's not something we need, but it's something that she wants to use. Same with Netflix and Hulu. I'm admittedly not using any of those. Hmm. Uh, so I, I'm, I've used Netflix maybe once in the last month. And I think I've logged into Disney Plus once since we've had it since they launched. Uh, but it's something that her and the boys really like. So, so they'll use it. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other subscription that I just have to have. And I can't think of, well, G Suite. G Suite is the last subscription. It's not necessarily an app, but it's a subscription that I've been paying for regularly since 2015. And I've talked about switching services. I just haven't done it. Uh, G Suite, and then the last one is, well, two more. Blueberry, which I'm paying for for the podcast, and I'm trying a new service called Pinecast out. Uh, so I'm paying for those two. I, I don't know that I'm going to keep both of them, but the principle is one of those services for podcast hosting I will stick with, which means that that's another monthly thing or annual thing that I'll be paying for. So that's my quick list. What about you, Damasi? So for me, we have some of the same ones. So one password uh, is essential. Like I, I don't even quibble about paying for it. I was honestly happy when they, they're one of the few companies that when they chose to go to a subscription model, like I was enthusiastic. I embraced it uh, because I do occasionally use different platforms on a regular basis. And you know what? It used to be with one password when it was a standalone buy a license for the app. You had to buy a license for every goddamn platform you was on. Uh, so that means a Mac app, uh, iOS app, a Android app, and a Windows app. And the only way you could get a bundle was for the Windows and Mac app, which would save you some money uh, if you bought that. So, and of course, there was no web access at that time to one password. So all of those things coming together to one price. Uh, and for me, one password families being uh, available like that, that changed my life. I was happy to pay that subscription. 
like you to do is uh, I have been paying to do is monthly simply because I think I canceled it at one point in time. And I think I picked it back up like early part of early part of this year. Probably when we was working on BE 101 uh, is when I think I signed back up for it. And I was like, well, let's see what happens after that goes away. But, you know, I have come to realize two things. Number one, I got to have a task manager. Like there's there's no if, ands, or buts about that. Uh, number two, the potential is there for me to do more with the to do is there are some things about it that I don't like or some the ways that OmniFocus does some things I prefer over the way to do is does them. But what keeps me into do is and has kept me from switching back over to OmniFocus is one very simple thing, the potential for automation. I thought you were going to say sharing projects. <laughs> uh, yeah, that too. But, you know, I kind of forgot about that because, you know. It, it, it's really what I look at first and foremost, because I don't do that all that often. Uh, and I could probably get away with that on a free to do is because the other person would probably have a shared project. And how many people am I sharing a project with anyway? Uh, that that is a major feature, but really it's it's the potential there for the automation. Uh because they have a because they are a web service first, uh, and they have an API, like I can hook to do with up to you know a ton of different things uh you know whether it's zapier ifttt uh you know using different services to trigger things to happen or to add a task when this thing happens on the web or to check off a task when you see this thing happens like one thing that i am is on my in my to-do list to work on at some point is like uh for me and mike to actually get a settled uh, laid out template for podcast publishing, at least for this show. Uh, and when that show goes live, like ping, you know, IFTTT or Zapier or one or the other, and then that checks off the final task and says, hey, show done. And then creates a whole new list of tasks that Based off we have both. Appointment. Uh, yeah. Like that's how, yeah. like, like that is things like, like I can do some of that automation with OmniFocus, but only on a specific device, either iOS, most likely macOS with scripting, which means I'm relying on a machine to be on and running for some of this stuff to happen. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I am going to also switch over to annual billing for it to do is because I know I'm not going to stop using it. Uh, I'm actually using it more now, uh, than I was before. Uh, and for me, because I paid through the app store, obviously I have to, well, I don't, it's not obvious to everybody, but because I pay that subscription through the iTunes app store, uh, I can't just update it right now. Although I guess maybe I could cancel it and then go to the to-do site and then pay them directly. Maybe that'll help them out a little bit. They ain't got to give Apple 30% of that. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, actually, I might do that. Uh, just cancel the subscription in, in Apple and then pay it directly on the uh, website. To-do list app. Yeah. For, for people's edification, though, if you choose to pay for the subscription through the App Store, uh, for most web services, it doesn't create a problem. Like I can still go to Android and sign in with my with my account. So, uh, you know, all of that stuff still works. But thinking about it, you know, I do like to try to throw people like I tend to. And I don't know. I guess it's not as possible. Or you're not as used to it on, on the Mac. I mean, on uh, mobile as you are on a desktop platform. Uh, because I tend to go buy apps directly from developers on the Mac as opposed to buying those handful of apps that I could get through the app store. Uh, just because I'm thinking like, hey, you know, if I buy it from them, I know roughly what they're paying was getting cut out of that chunk of money before it goes to them versus 
going through the app store and knowing, oh man, they're losing 30% of this shit. And it's the same price as it is on the website. I'm just going to buy it on the website. There's also update billing. I mean, update pricing and all of that, upgrade pricing and all of that. So yeah, another subscription for me, like you, I do play for, pay for Disney Plus. It's more about my kids than it is about Tia because I don't think she even watches it all that much. But yeah, I do pay for Disney Plus. I'm probably, uh, and the only reason I haven't done it is because I've been waffling back and forth as to whether or not to go back to paying for Hulu. Uh, because I was paying for it and I stopped paying for it because she was like, oh, well, I'm not watching anything on there right now. It's like, okay, well, boop, cancel you. Uh, and then Disney Plus came out and they got the bundle with Disney Plus. But my problem with that bundle is uh, for $12.99, you get Disney Plus, you get Hulu, but you get Hulu, the ad somewhat supported tier. Uh, but you still get shown ads. Yeah, you still get shown ads, but not as many. Well, they don't have a free plan anymore anyway, do they? Or do they? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you're still getting shown ass. And apparently there's some stuff that you cannot see on that particular level. Uh, so that's my problem with the bundle is. But you get ESPN with it, too. Yeah, but I'm not watching any of this shit, dude. If it was up to me, I wouldn't pay for none of this TV crowd. Like, look, I pay for Apple Music. That's another service I pay for. Speaking of things that I probably now. Ooh, so do we. And I didn't even think about it. I don't use Apple Music every freaking day. Tia uses it a lot. Like, she uses the hell out of it. The kids actually use it quite a bit because they go in and, and, you know, play their songs from the cartoons that they like to watch and the movies they like to watch. So that that is super cool. I will continue to pay for that, and I will probably kill off a lot more other stuff before I would kill off Apple Music uh, simply because they get so much enjoyment out of it. And on the, when I'm in the mood for music, like, I can just go in and listen to music. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. Usually what I'm looking for is there. Occasionally, I discover new stuff to be quite honest i'm an old man so i tend to go back and just listen to stuff that i liked uh before the music got terrible and you're paying for the family version too right yeah 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 see we're paying for it too and i it's one of those i literally didn't even think about it until you said we've been paying for it pretty much since apple music came out so yeah and the thing for me is like they were the first ones to do the family plan uh and then everybody else came along after. Like, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I probably would still be a Spotify customer if Spotify had introduced it first. Or I might still be a Google Music subscriber if Google Music had introduced it first. Uh, simply because there's no point in me moving. Like, I don't personally care that much about the service, whatever it may be, just so long as it works wherever I want it to work at. And see, I'm using Spotify free, but we're paying for Apple Music because... It's built into the phone, so Benjamin can use it, and Mallory can use it, the two iPhone users. Andrew's on Android now, well, actually, too. you could use it, too. I mean, That's what I was just saying, Android. is Andrew's on Android, and I'm on Android, so I could use it, too. I did hear that Apple is now doing some new radio stations in Apple Music, so I'm going to check those out, too. They're rebranding it from Beats 1 to Apple Music 1, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. which is, a, I mean... A terrible name, honestly. It's too long. Man. How do you go from Beach One, which was very simple, to Apple Music One? I would think creating liners for Beats One would be a lot more fun to do than you're listening to Apple Music One. Yeah. <laughs> Why not Music One? They couldn't get that. They couldn't make that work like that. I mean, look, we all know Apple's fond of just calling a thing what the thing is anyway, right? I mean, the music app is called music. It's not called <laughs> no podcast app is called podcast. Uh, you know, nothing fancy here is what you get. What you see is what you get. So why not just call it music one? Uh, 
don't know. Uh, some other services that I pay for. So drafts is a subscription uh, that I pay for annually. And I have paid for that from day one when Greg first put it out there with the release of drafts five. Uh, and I was, again, this is another one that I'm happy to pay for. Um, I would absolutely come up with 20. I mean, it's only 20 bucks. I get it on all plat. Well, Mac and iOS, uh, and it's a subscription that I'm happy to pay for because I get so much use out of drafts. Like I actually, and me and several other people, I think, uh, that, that were doing beta testing for Greg before five came out. So still back in the, the drafts four days had occasionally mentioned to him like, dude, you need to put a tip jar in the app or something. Like I paid for this like four years ago and there's been no major version update. So you ain't got no money. Like, you know, put a tip jar in the app. And I think he did put one in there at one point, uh, in drafts four. Uh, but for me, that's a, a subscription that I was happy to pay for. And, and, and complete opposite behavior of some people who introduce subscriptions for their apps or their services. Like, so when he introduced drafts subscription model, it was in drafts five. Now he did skip several version numbers, but we're now at the draft 21. Uh, and he skipped, you know, up to like maybe version 18 or something, but he releases pretty much like what, what would be considered a major or a pretty significant minor release about every month, uh, with new features. Uh, and this is on, you know, Mac, iOS and Apple watch. So you're getting it wherever you want to use it. Yeah. Except for Android, which is terrible, but you know, I would pay 40 bucks a year if you would put it on Android though. I really would. It may sound ridiculous. So, Demasi, what are a couple of apps that you would be okay with canceling that you know you're paying for? Because for me, the first one that I'm thinking of that I probably will end up canceling, and uh, honestly, I exported my OPML file yesterday, and I'm like, I'm going to go try something else, is Pocket Cast Pro. Because it's only a dollar a month, but it's a dollar a month, and I, I don't know that I'm using all the features. Every once in a while, I will upload an audio file to it. But I believe you can do the same thing with po- with uh, Podcast Attic, and I already own that app. So that's one of the subscriptions I'm thinking about canceling. The other one that I did cancel because I, I simply wasn't using it was I was subscribed to Google's – what's that service called? So I was subscribed to Google's Play Pass, which gave me access oh, to different apps and yeah. games, and, and I had a discounted rate, but I uh, was getting, you know, I was getting charged a dollar ninety nine, and I realized I maybe downloaded one or two apps, and that was because I had my workflow working just fine for me that I didn't need to download other apps. So that's one that I actually did go in and cancel. The other one that I don't really pay for, and I don't know that I would pay for it when it's starts coming up i'd look for deals for it is text expander it's a Mm. great tool i use it and i love the automation that it gives me but i don't use it as much as i did when i was on the mac for example if i was to switch back over to the mac full-time then yes i'd have no problem with paying for text expander but it's not as reliable on windows it is as it is on the mac and so therefore i find myself not using it as much as i would have been on the mac so that's that's my apps and there's no Android version. So that's interesting because I, uh, so Texas Mander is one that 
You know, honestly, I could probably live without it at this point because I'm not as into it as I once was. And and like you, my reasons behind that aren't, well, not like you, you know, not because I'm on Windows, but because uh, when this newer version of Texas Banner, Texas Banner 6 was first released and for several months into this release, like there were major accessibility issues that rendered the ability to create new snip snippets especially you know the more complex snippets uh you know impossible for a voiceover user so i noticed myself not putting as much stuff into snippets and, and text expander as i was and oftentimes what i would find myself having done is uh opening up a text file uh pasting in like this little code or whatever that i need and saving it in a folder uh, and then whenever I needed to pull up that 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 snippet or that that bit of text to use it again, I would just go open up the file and um, you know, change it on the fly to what I needed to paste in at that point in time. Select all, copy, paste, and then close it without saving. Right, so uh, that's one I could potentially let go of. Um, the other ones that I could probably let go of, I'm sort of like you, where I'm. I'm sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place with G Suite. Uh, I have been paying for G Suite for some some amount of time. I don't remember exactly how long. And I currently pay for a G Suite business license, mostly because I get unlimited storage. Uh, which erased a subscription for me, which was Dropbox, because I was paying for Dropbox and G Suite, paying for G Suite for the email and paying for Dropbox for the storage. Um so that helped me get rid of a subscription and save me a few bucks a month. It didn't save me a ton of money, but it saved me a few bucks a month uh, making that switch. Uh, but there are changes amidst with the way that Google is going to allow you to log into your email account in the future. That is going to create a significant work for workflow problem for me on iOS. Um, so I'm considering making the switch over to Fastmail for my email uh, but then what do I do about G Suite in the storage, right? I can't get storage for that price, not unlimited anyway. Uh, and I think uh, I have 2.1 terabytes of stuff in Google Drive right now. That's a bit of stuff. <laughs> that is a bit of stuff. I was trying to think, I'm like, well, man, you could just go get an office subscription, but then you'd have to split it up between three different office accounts. But it's cheaper than G Suite. I mean, to be honest, I am actually paying for Fastmail right now at the moment anyway, because I have to have an active account in order to be a reseller, uh, which I need to rethink that whole strategy. I got to actually start making some money off of that uh, at some point. Anyone interested in email services, you can reach out to Demasi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I got to figure out something I could roll in there to make it more palatable or, well, just go find people who want good e solid email service that don't want G Suite or whatever, don't want Office 365 and don't want to have to manage it. Like that's the that's the upsell there. Uh is he'll manage it all for them. Yeah. But uh G Suite is one that I would consider possibly giving up. Uh be a hard decision to make though. Uh so one that I did cancel fairly uh probably about two months ago uh was Carrot Weather. Uh, I was subscribing to Carrot Weather on iOS uh, at their highest tier, and I canceled that um, right at the beginning of June because it was coming to go for its renewal. Uh, that, for me, was an annual subscription that I paid for for a couple of years. 
and the reason I canceled is not so much that I wasn't getting use out of care weather, although it did seem a little expensive. Yeah, twenty five bucks a year isn't a terrible price, and I do understand why Kara costs money because these guys paying for weather data access. Uh, so I get that, but the only thing I really was using it for was like the notifications and the little glanceable information on the watch face, uh, which is fine. Like again, I didn't really necessarily have a problem paying for. It. I canceled it because Google, not Google, Apple, Apple, those guys, they bought Dark Sky, and I was like, huh. Maybe they're going to do something interesting with Dark Sky in iOS 14. I'm going to cancel Carrot so that I'm not stuck and start using Dark Sky because I want to see, because I used to be a Dark Sky user years ago when it was brand new and it was super accurate for rain and all of that stuff. And then it started getting flaky. Uh, so I said, well, let me go back to try Dark Sky. Tia's been using Dark Sky forever. Like she never even went to Carrot Weather. Uh, and I was like, well, we'll see how it works. If I don't like it, I can always go back to Carrot and maybe Carrot's developer or Apple will announce something at this year's WWDC that will allow him to do a family subscription inside of the App Store so I don't have to pay $50 for two people to use a freaking service. Uh that she's not even using. Yeah, because she's not, well, she's not using it because she's never tried out the free app. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, well, not the free app, but, you know, the, the the app that she has access to through my family account on iTunes or whatever. iCloud Families is what it's called. Uh, but, yeah, Dark Sky is okay. It doesn't seem to give me notifications as frequently and as accurately as Carrot Weather was. Uh, I went and took a peek at Carrot Weather uh subscription the other night and i was like oh jesus went up to 29 bucks a month i mean a year uh so i'm not sure if i want to do that yet didn't pull the trigger on that one i have canceled i have subscribed to and canceled frequently well not frequently but a couple of times over the over the lifetime of this particular service setup uh on the mac uh i have subscribed to it kept it for a few months and then canceled it uh Mostly because what I was doing is like there were a handful of apps I wanted. And once I acquired those apps, mostly through like a bundle somewhere or something like that, it's like, oh, I don't need to keep paying for this for this random app that I don't really use. I only use it because it's there, but I don't have to have it like the apps I really wanted. I bought them. It is a good way for someone to test out several different Mac apps, though, for sure, and see if they work into your workflow. And then reach out to the to the developer on their own website like you have and pick those apps up directly, and that could save you the $10 a month that said app is. So here's something I've discovered about SetApp. Uh, and I got this from a developer that's on SetApp, uh, Brett Terpster, actually, who makes the Marked app, uh, Mark 2, which is on SetApp. Uh Brent says that if you are using an app inside of set app, uh, he's like, even if you own it, if you like, if you, cause some people like they own this app, but they don't own that app. Right. So they're using set app and they're using the app that they don't own inside of set app, but the app that they did buy a license for, they're using that version of it. He's like, look, if you're in that situation, uh, using the set app version means that the developer of that app still gets you know, a portion of, you know, still gets paid from setup every month for your usage. And that's the key to set. And apparently a lot of people are doing okay. Like maybe it's not going to make the bank for everybody, right? A lot of developers seem to be at least benefiting from that recurring income 
uh, through said app. So the thing that he kind of highlighted for me is like, well, you know, if there is a app in set app that I really want to use or a couple of handful of apps that justify me spending 10 bucks a month, at least I can kind of smooth that with myself a little bit because it, the apps that I already own, well, if I start using the set app version, then I'm also continuing to help that developer uh, out because like Mark two, for example, I bought Mark two, like, I don't know, man, like five years ago. Uh, but yeah, set app is a good way to try out apps. Uh, if you find yourself, I, I think for, for a lot of people, if you find yourself with like 10 apps, seven, five apps in there that you use a ton, uh, you know, maybe it's cheaper for you to continue to pay for set app until you run across a bundle. Uh, Keep on my Twitter or Mike's Twitter or somebody's. Yeah. One of our Twitters, because uh, I do tend to at least tweet out a link whenever there's like a major Mac app bundle or some type of bundle. I think people like anybody could benefit from. Uh, don't always share all of them, but the ones I think that are really good. Uh, but yeah, that set up. I've done a lot with that in and out uh, with that app. I've been kind of like that with Netflix, uh, although I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, I haven't paid for Netflix for a couple of years now because people keep letting me use their Netflix. Uh, and because I don't really watch a lot of Netflix, like I don't find myself actually using their Netflix. Like I'll set it up on the Apple TV and then, you know, the kids or Tia can watch, you know, Netflix. But I don't even watch Netflix. So I stopped paying for it for that reason. I stopped paying for Audible not um, earlier this year, Ooh, maybe late last year. There's a subscription I didn't think about. Uh, yeah, geez, yeah. The Amazon subscriptions I have. So let's see. Oh, there's Amazon <laughs> Prime. Uh-huh. Uh huh. See, we pay for that annually. I didn't even think about it, but that number seems to go up every year. Every couple of years, yeah. yeah so I'm not yeah. paying for it annually anymore. But here's a tip for anybody out here that this may help. Uh, and I was able to actually take advantage of this. Uh, myself so amazon has a program for prime where you can get a discount uh, it's like a 50 percent discount uh they only allow you to pay this monthly you can't do it annually or i would have did that uh but if if you i'm gonna say if you or anyone else in your household uh because it wasn't actually me that had this benefit but if you or anyone else in your household is either a recipient of ebt uh, or Medicaid. Uh, and there's a couple other things, and we'll drop a link in the show notes to the actual uh, requirements or, or what are the qualifications to get this Amazon Prime discount. Uh, but it knocks your Prime price down to like five ninety nine a month before tax. So I'm paying six forty seven a month for Prime, uh, which would come out to roughly about seventy five dollars. Huh, that's almost what it used to be when it first launched. Ah, yes, it is. It used to be $79 a year is what it used to cost you, sir. Good memory there. Uh, yeah, good memory there. So uh, I will drop a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, if you're on Medicaid or uh, you get EBT or like I said, anybody in your household, because I don't get Medicaid, but Tia gets Medicaid. So that's how we got it. Uh, and also, I don't know if this made a difference or not, but one, Tia is buying stuff out of my account. Like she logs in and uses my account to buy shit. Uh, but we also have Amazon Household, I think is what it's called now, set up. And she's a member of that household. So that may be a reason also why they didn't like wave some flag at me and be like, hey, what the hell you think you're doing? Uh, but either way, uh, that's there for you. Uh, Audible. So, Mike, here's what I did with Audible. Audible has a secret subscription. Uh, they have this secret plan that 
I, for some reason, found it on their website at one point in time and then it, it, it disappeared. Uh, but it's still available. You just have to call or do a chat. Uh, side note, I have been doing a lot more uh, online chatting. Yeah, live chat with, with customer service lately uh, than I used to. Uh, but yeah, so Audible, you, you're going to have to contact customer service one way or other, either live chat or call them on the phone. Uh, but this plan is called the silver plan. So you don't have the gold plan and the platinum plan, right? Gold plan is one credit a month. Platinum plan is two credits a month. Uh, they have a silver plan. The silver plan is one credit every other month. So you pay for a credit. Let's say you start this plan in September. So you will pay the regular flat price, you know, dollars, $15, $15, $15 for a credit in September, October, no bill, no credit. November, you get a credit. You pay for the credit. December, no credit. Like, so you I like that. Huh. Uh, so what that allowed me to do was to keep my Audible membership uh, going. Uh, because I do actually, uh, like I, I listen to more audio books than, than a little bit. Plus also I, I tend to use my account because Tia actually, and what I actually did in my house because, because, um, I'm difficult is why, uh, because honestly it would have been a hell of a lot cheaper to just do the platinum plan every month. But because I'm difficult and I get tired of seeing recommendations for crap because Tia listens to, you know, I'm not going to call it weird shit. It's not really that weird. It's just stuff I don't listen to. Uh, she went back to using her own audible account that she had before we met. So what I did is put both of us on the silver plan and we just alternate monthly. Uh, I'm paying for both of these, but we just alternate monthly. So August, I get a credit September. She gets a credit October. I get a credit, you know, November, she gets a credit. Uh, not recommending anybody else do that. Uh, but you know, that, that's the thing you could do if you don't want to get recommendations for weird romance books. Cause you ain't into that shit. Uh, but the other reason I really want to keep my audible account active is because, um, also use it to buy kids, buy books, uh, for the kids, uh, cause I tend to play them like an audible book as they're going to bed at night, uh, things like that. So I like to try to keep their series up to date and try to find new things for them to listen to. Also, here's the bonus for you. If you, uh, are a silver plan subscriber you don't get a credit every month you get a credit every other month but you still have a active subscription so every month you are eligible to get the free audible downloads from the audible originals i was just going to ask if you got those every month or every other yes, month you do. that you is nice month. right there it's worth it right there yeah so see there's the bonus which is why it's worth it for me uh and it also means that when they come up with the random two for one sales on credit you know two two books for one credit sales I usually have a credit laying around and I usually manage to pick up something uh, oftentimes. So you're still eligible, but you're not spending the money every month. You don't have to be weird like me and pay for two different memberships, but you know, whatever. A few other subscriptions. Uh, Yeah. Audible is awesome. The reason I can, so here's a, here's a pro tip for uh, those of you who are not aware, because I I surprisingly run across people who don't know about this. Not a subscription service is actually free. For you and for me, uh, the National Library Service, uh, your local library uh, should be able to get you hooked up with them. If you're not already a patron of the National Library Service uh, Bard, I have been a National Library Service user from the time that I was a small child, uh, probably like Lincoln's age. My son is three. 
You and me both. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would go back. Mike probably doesn't go back this far because he's a little bit younger than me. But I go back to the days when they used to give you a record player and they set your books on these little flimsy plasticky records that you put on there. Nope. Uh, I, I go back to the four track tapes. Uh, which, and then yeah. subsequently after that came the four track tape players uh, with this big, huge, giant tape player with all these knobs and switches and buttons and shit. And the so, big square cases that came in the mail that you knew exactly yeah, what they were man. when you put your hand Look, Wasn't in. it exciting when you reached in the mailbox and you felt yep. like, it was really exciting when you reached in and you felt not only one plastic container, but you felt the rubber band. You was like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. This going to be a good book or a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> or you got the little super thick one, like the super thick case because the, the book was on like seven tapes. It's like, oh, this, this is going to be epic. This is going to be a drama here. It is, yeah. Yeah, man. Man, some of those books I read when I was a lot younger, I, I go back and I reread now, and I'm like, man, I don't remember this book being that good, but it's because I didn't understand it. Yeah, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't been doing that. So I told T, I said, one thing I want to do is try to contact the library in Georgia and find out, is there a way for you guys to go pull my history for me? Uh, because there's a lot of stuff I read when I was a kid that I enjoyed the story overall, but I think if I read it again now as an adult, like I would really get more of an appreciation of it than I did as a kid. Uh, I mean, I read a lot of stuff when I was a kid. Like I read Phantom of the Opera, I think, before I was even in elementary school, which is super weird for a kid. I think I read it. Stephen King's It in probably third grade, and it was just because it was one of the books that was on my list. Books they and, said. Yeah. Yep, yep. I never understood how those lists work. It's like, you know how old I am. Like, I thought about this as I got older. Like, as a kid, you don't know that, like, oh, this book is not, you know, for you. Uh, but you get older, you're like, why the fuck was they sending a five-year-old The Phantom of the Opera? Oh, good times, good times. Yeah. Now you can just go to bard.loc.gov and download whatever books you want, which is nice because you can get your books instantly. But but the disadvantage to it is is – at least when I was younger, I didn't have to think about what books I wanted. They would just send me some books and say, oh, do you like this? If you like this, let us know and we'll send you more by that author. Now I actually have to go through and actually decide on what I want to take the time to download. Whereas when I got it in the mail, I would put it in and try it out because I already had it. It wasn't something that, that I needed to make an effort to read. That is an extremely good point. Um, and I've been thinking about that too, as I try to find, you know, more things to read or different things to read. Uh, it's like, man, it was simpler or if not simpler, like you were more apt to try a book just because it came in the mail. It's like, well, it's here now. So like, I mean, I can't, I, I can flip the card over and send it right back, but I may as well check it out. Cause I can't send it back to tomorrow at the earliest. Uh, and then you would end up like, oh man, this is good. It's like, ah, oh, wouldn't have read this before. That's how I got reading uh, Stuart Wood's books by with his Stone Barrington character. Is they sent me, and this was the mess part, messed up part. They sent me the eighth book in the series just randomly, and I'm like, okay, well, I need to start from the beginning. But then again, I didn't want to wait until tomorrow to send it in the mail, and then wait for four days for them to send me the first book in the series. So I started reading it then, and I'm like, oh, oh, maybe I should go back and start reading more of this guy's books. Yeah, that that would happen too. They would send you a book in the middle of the series. You're like, wait, how do we get here though? Uh, I I don't understand. Wait, what? I need the first book. Wait a minute, we got to go back. Uh, and see, I never read like I never received any of those books in the mail uh, with Stone Barrington, but I have seen that character mentioned in, in books uh, on the Bar website. But I've never downloaded one because I'm like, eh, I don't know about that guy. Whatever, you know, go find somebody I know something about. Uh, 
so yeah there's something free for you guys if you don't know uh, yeah get the bar and Bard mobile is on ios and on android uh, and it's accessible iPad, obviously on both yeah uh, and they also, for those of you who may listen, or if you know somebody else that could benefit from this, uh, that is not a smartphone user or is not super smartphone savvy, or they just have bandwidth constrictions where they can't be downloading, you know, 100 megabyte books at a time. Uh, they also, Bar still offers uh, a digital player, uh, much improved over the four track tape player that me and Mike started out or, or are familiar with. Uh, the digital player, you get a cartridge with your book on it and you just stick it in and hit play. Uh, and interestingly enough, the mobile apps layout is very similar to that of the actual digital player. And a bonus of the digital player is if you put MP3s on a thumb drive or if you do like me and go buy one of those cartridges, you can also play music or just regular MP3 books. So I don't know if this is illegal. I'm going to say this right now. I'm not sure if this is illegal. So I may or may not have done this thing. I am most certainly not telling you, the listener, to go do this thing. But I went and checked out. Well, I didn't check out. But I possibly may have checked out some books from the public library long time ago, very long time ago. Statute of limitation must be up at this point. Anyway, if I had have done it, uh, books on CD and then I ripped them into Windows Media Player. See how long ago this was, guys? Windows Media Player. Nobody uses that anymore. So this is what you could have done. You could have ripped them into Windows Media Player. And then now you got the MP3s on your hard drive and then you copy them over to a flash drive and stick it into your digital book player or buy a cartridge and sync them onto the cartridge and put them in there. And then now you can play those books on the digital player because maybe it's a book that the talking book library doesn't have, but the public library had on CD. If that were a legal thing, I probably did it. If it is illegal as all hell, well, I never one, did it. <laughs> I'm certain that the statute of limitations will be up because this was XP. Uh, yeah. And two, I didn't do that shit anyway. Uh, uh, so I bought the cartridge to put music on so I could play music at our meetings is what I did. That, that, that you did obtain legally. <laughs> uh, moving on to whatever you was about to say, Mike. So, Demasi, uh, I, that, that's all I really have today. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you, when did you get Windows Media Player to rip MP3s? Because I always got files out of it that were WMA files. <laughs> uh, so in the days of me, so I think it's because they were already, uh, you know what, Mike? I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I literally don't remember because you know what? I do remember running to that problem when I ripped CDs that I did yeah. legally own the music CD and ripped them right. and get WMA files. I can't remember. I think it was some sort of extension or there may have been a command or some, or some something you had to do in order to do that. To get it switched over. Man, those were the days. Ripping CDs, burning CDs. Like Someone asked me at the radio station a couple of months ago, well, a few months ago, back in December, can you burn this onto CD? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And then I'm like, how do you burn CD? I don't even remember now. <laughs> you need to buy an external USB CD burner. Um, no, no, the computer had a built-in CD burner. Oh. And Barry's like, just burn it in Windows Media Player. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, man, of course. There's Windows Media yeah, because you can dude. set up a playlist in Media Player and then right-click on that playlist and hit burn to disk. Burn to and disk. it burns it in the 
order that you added the tracks to the you playlist. You know what is super weird that you still can right click on certain things in Mac OS and it has burned the disc as an option. And I'm like, uh-huh. Mac, you ain't had a fucking DVD player or a CD drive in like, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> what the hell are you and talking about? And on that note, I don't really have anything else to add to this episode, and we're starting to go down the the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, but hey, man, fun times. Look, that was a good yeah. conversation about the talking books, though, because we don't we don't talk about that stuff too much. Often. Right, but that is old tech, right? That is old tech that we use. That is old tech that still works, like yep. new tech. It like, works it's, like new it, tech. it's good. Yeah. Uh, and look, dude, National Library Service is an amazing resource uh, just in general because I learned a lot as well as getting to read a yeah. lot of books that were never available in Braille. And this is well before the days of electronic Braille displays and Kindle. So, yeah, great service. Uh, good for people who are not technology savvy as well or just want that separation. Like, I want to read a book and mm-hmm. I don't want to be bothered. Uh, so, yeah, search for your old tech. Talk about it. Pull it out. I don't know. We're trying to wrap it up now. Reach oh. out to us on Twitter. I'm at yeah. Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N, using tweetings and loving it. And he is on Twitter at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. Let us know your subscriptions that you love or that you that are absolutely necessary or the ones that you would kill at the drop of a hat. Like, let us know. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. JeronePay.com slash DM54. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.